When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On SEN, this is the Sporting Capital. Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. Down in the hollow. Playing a new game. Great to have your company on the Sporting Capital. Where did that half hour go? The Mac is run, done and dusted, but you can still call us at any time. I've got a $100 Sporting Globe voucher to give to you. You can enjoy uh, that during the AFL footy season if you would like. All you've got to do is call, give us a call, 1-300-736-736. Nick Maddinson going to join us tonight. Mark Bickley and Felix Von Hoff to run through all of the news from the NBL Awards last night where Bryce Cotton becomes a four-time NBL MVP. There's plenty of uh, plenty of texts coming through as well, and we're taking your calls on uh, sporting moments you would reverse if you had the time over. What could you reverse? Plenty of Essendon supporters kicking off about uh, various finals over the years. Uh, very quickly, though, we are going to get to the chief football and chief sports reporter here at SEN, Sam Edmund. He's going to shed some more light on the Joel Smith scenario, which has broken in the last half hour or so. Hello, Sammy. John, good evening to you. Uh, yeah, reversing things. I reckon Joel Smith might be wanting to reverse a few things right about now because uh, this is a man, you'll remember, Jado, who was hoping for a, a suspension of three months dating back uh, to that positive urine sample collected after the Demons defeated Melbourne by 27 points at the G in round 23 next year. But gee whiz, the gravity of the situation for Joel Smith now is uh, much more serious after the uh, revelations, of course, in the Herald Sun tonight that... Uh, he is being accused by anti-doping investigators of cocaine trafficking. Mm. So this is a serious escalation. I've got the AFL statement in front of me that uh, that dropped a couple of moments ago, and they do confirm that further anti-doping rule violations have been asserted against Joel Smith and Melbourne Football Club under the Australian Football Anti-Doping Code, and they go on to say that Sport Integrity Australia have notified Smith three ADRVs, they are the anti-doping rule violations, of course, for trafficking or attempted trafficking of, of cocaine to third parties are asserted against him. So things are about to get a heck of a lot more serious uh, if they haven't already for Joel Smith. Yeah. Uh, Sammy, do we know how these extra allegations came about? Because obviously they were still working out what was going on uh, the back half of last season. Do we know how these ones have come about? No, I think what happens in these situations are, you know, uh, investigators pull back through, uh, pull back over communications devices, emails, text messages, social media messages and the like. So it would appear to be that, uh, or we, we would assume anyway tonight, we better stick to the facts, John, most importantly that um, information has been uh, uncovered by anti-doping investigators there um, pertaining to text messages and the like um, that Joel Smith might have uh, sent out, perhaps referencing cocaine and the like. So... That's how these things have, uh, have mm. come about. Um, so many things, so many questions at the moment, so many matters are unclear on this, other than to say that the allegations as they sit at the moment that the SIA, Sport Integrity Australia, have put it to Joel Smith, that in fact uh, he's violated more anti-doping rules by um, by distributing cocaine, uh, obviously an illegal substance. So under the code, 
that he stated uh, by the AFL in that statement's not that trafficking in an anti-doping context is relevantly defined to be selling, giving, transporting, sending, delivering or distributing a prohibited substance by an athlete to any third party. So um, this all goes back, of course, to September 9th when the initial allegations surfaced uh, against Joel Smith, but now these extra um, anti-doping rule violations of, uh, as I say, make this a heck of a lot more serious. And, and the player himself, uh, I was in touch with Melbourne today, remains pr- provisionally suspended, of course, um, pending the finalisation of that initial positive test. Uh, now the timeline and all these things is unclear, as is uh, uh, possibly to determine what sort of absence from the game uh, he would serve, if, in fact, he, uh, he comes back at all. Yeah, well, things are going from bad to worse at Melbourne. We know uh, what their off-season was like, and this is just uh, not what they need on the eve of another season. Sammy, uh, finally, do we know how close this is to being resolved and when we'll know anything about this? No, nothing happens in a hurry. I did uh, see that the Herald Sun are reporting that um, the allegations have been put to Joel Smith and he would need a response um, by the middle of March. Um, before this proceeds yeah. any further. Um, I mean, the ramifications from here could be, obviously, a two-year ban is written into the code for a positive test on, on game day. could be potentially four years. Now, I suppose the Melbourne Football Club will face uh, more questions. There's no statement from them this evening. Um, so, no doubt, um, they will need to front up at some particular point in time. You remember Gary Pert uh, did say not too long ago over the off-season this was the best culture he'd experienced in his time in football. So after a volcanic break for them, they'll be back in the headlines as well. So it's uh, yeah, an unfortunate turn of events, to say the least, for the club and, and uh, considerably for Joel Smith, who at 27 years of age um, is, is seriously at the crossroads with his, with his football career and, and indeed his life. Yeah, not what he needs, not what Melbourne needs on the eve of another season. Sammy, thanks for giving us a quick update. I'm sure you'll have more on that tomorrow morning on breakfast. Thanks, Sam Edmund there, Chief Sports Reporter for SEN, just giving us a little lay of the land in the Joel Smith situation, which broke about half an hour ago. It's not good for Melbourne, and it's certainly not good for the player involved as well, because as Sam as Sam Edmund outlined there, allegations already thrown at him about a game day or a match day, uh, I guess, test that went wrong and now it's uh, it's gotten a whole lot worse so uh, that'll unfold over the next 12 hours or so you'll hear more about that with Sammy across uh, the shows tomorrow SEM Breakfast and Dwayne and uh, certainly with Waitley as well so make sure you stay tuned for the latest there one three hundred seven three six seven three six. let's get back to a little bit of a little bit more serious footy stuff uh, and a little bit more positive football stuff as well. Tom in Adelaide wanted a little bit more time to talk about what he would reverse in the world of sport. We'll take your calls up to about 8.30 when we're going to get to Mark Bickley. Uh, Tommy, we've given you a bit more time. What have you got for thanks. us, please? Yeah, thanks, man. Go ahead. Uh, I know Carl will, will probably be happy. Uh, will be good to hear. I'm going to reverse it. If, if the late Peter Mott, oh, he's still alive, but you remember Peter Motley the, yep. from my state, yep. gun player, mm-hmm. right? If things could be reversed and didn't, so he didn't have that accident, come on any great side, coming into the late 80s and 90s with Kernan, Bradley, everyone, and then Cooter coming along, and then Peter went just before the accident, and he was starting to come along. You imagine Juro, Peter was already ahead, and then Cooter came along. How... Have those who would have caused that the V four A field then? Mm. Carl's already a great side, and they would have been. In, I've got no doubt if Peter 
didn't have that if it was reverse, Kong would be even better. And I'm sure a lot of constables would probably agree with me. So yeah. what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm sure they would, Tommy. Appreciate uh, appreciate the call. I'm sure there's plenty of uh, things that would have changed if that wasn't the case. But anyway, uh, appreciate your call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 A couple more off the text before we get to a little bit of audio from earlier today and just cut, catch you up on what's taking place. You can continue to call if you could reverse one sporting moment in your life, professionally or in your sporting life or otherwise, what would it be? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Got a $100 Sporting Globe voucher to give away over the course of the night. Jane Savile's disqualification in the 20-kilometre walk at the Sydney Olympics went just about when just about to enter the stadium and win a gold medal. That's from Haley. That was devastating for Jane Savile. Devastating. And, and you could see it in her face as well and... Yeah, she was striding to gold and got ripped away from her. So uh, that's a good nomination there. The 2013 prelim, Geelong v Hawthorne. Varco miss in the last minute. Thank you for your text. Keep putting your name to him as well because uh, I'll give you attribution. Hardwick not getting the Bombers coaching job could have prevented the supplement saga. There you go. That's a different one that I hadn't thought of at all. Uh, Mark says, no reversal for me. The 99 prelim was a rollicking win for the Blue Boys. Uh, one point was plenty. Nearly drove off the road where, uh, on the way to Cobram and arrived to see uh, Braxy won the election. What a day. And <laughs> Tim, Tim in Berwick says, hi, John. Good to see. Good to hear the Essendon. He's gone, he said Essendon Hope supporters still whinging about the 99 prelim final. Go Blues from Tim. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. if you want to get involved. Adam Uze, the coach of the Richmond Footy Club, did a sit-down with Tim Watson. Covered various topics in uh, leading up to his first season at the helm of the Tigers. And he started things off talking about Dustin Martin and his impact on this team. So what sort of a dusty do you think you've inherited? Well, the main thing is... He looks happy and enjoying his footy. And for me as a coach, that's what I want to be able to provide, an environment that he can come in and, and know that he can still improve. Like there's parts of his game and he's training with the midfield and um, he hasn't done that for a couple of years. Dustin Martin, there you go. Scary thought if Dustin Martin uh, gets back to his absolute 100% best in 2024. Very scary thought if you are uh, an opposition midfielder going head-to-head against Dustin Martin. I said it a couple of weeks ago on the show, I just have this feeling that this might be Dustin Martin's last season and I think he might just go out with a bang and try and really get the most out of himself. I have a feeling he's he feels he's achieved enough. Was good mates with Dimmer Hardwick. Now the thought will be, obviously, to go up there and join him at the Gold Coast. I'm not sure Dusty loves footy that much. He's got enough money probably to get him through. A couple of Brownlows, a couple of Norm Smiths. I think Dusty's probably all good with endorsements as well. And I think the new media rules, as I said a couple of weeks ago, will really, well, they're not going to be up Dusty's alley, it's fair to say. I could be wrong. I could be really wrong. And we might hear a lot more from Dustin Martin this year. And it would be great if we do, because I think he's a really intelligent, fun guy when you do hear from him and he has a little bit of personality. But I just don't think he likes speaking to the media all that much. And I just get the feeling that he's going to say, look, I've had enough, and I'm just going to pack it in. 
Who knows? We'll uh, we'll wait and see here. Adam Uze went on to say the players, well, they're still hungrier than ever despite missing the finals last year to get back to September. How do you gauge the hunger of this group? A threat for a coach, if you've, if you've won three flags, is that enough? Yeah. Um, but I have, have not sensed that at all. They've, there's guys, um, they're running PBs in 2Ks and, yeah, they train the house down. They train with huge, amazing intensity. Love the word train the house down, this time of year especially. It's one of the great cliches in football. He's flying and they're training the house down. Good on you, Adam Uze. Uh, he's also coming up against the guy who formerly coached the Richmond Footy Club in round, well, in opening round, not round one. Do you think there's going to be anything extra or special involved in the players co- being or playing against their old coach for the first time against the Suns? Oh, it's a funny one. Like, if I was a player and I was playing against my old coach and left and you'd have to feel something. There'd be some sort of emotion, whether it was you want to sort of prove him wrong or whatever it is. So there's going to be a lot of different emotions. It's going to be an interesting battle, that one, and, and we'll, get, we'll really get a good gauge of where the where the Gold Coast Suns are at in that game and then I guess where the Richmond Footy Club are at. We, I know they kicked 10 goals in a row against Melbourne a couple of days ago. I don't read a whole lot into that just because Melbourne probably took the foot off the gas. It's a scrimmage, essentially. No one's really going that hard. So Richmond are an interesting one in 2024. I don't have them... I certainly don't have them playing finals, but... Adam Uze has been long touted to be a, a coach that gets the best out of his players and gets a lot of drive out of his players and a good game manager and a good game plan coach. So we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Richmond are going to be intriguing. I've mentioned a couple of times that Geelong are going to be really intriguing. I, I can't get a good read on the Cats this year and where they sit. I noticed today that tickets went on sale for their opening clash against the Saints at uh, GMHBA Stadium, and I think it sold out quickly. I think it sold out really quickly. So it'd be interesting to see where the Cats and Richmond and those sorts of teams are at, and then can the Bombers take the next step? Some burning questions going in to 2024, and uh, it's going to be a great footy season. We're looking forward to uh, to it all getting underway, and there's practice games coming up across the board as well. Some news earlier as well in the day that I didn't give you, uh, this was about two hours ago or so, uh, that I forgot to give you earlier. Uh, Essendon forward Peter Wright and important defender Jordan Ridley are among a group of players who have been ruled out of the Bombers' match sim against the Saints on Friday. Uh, Wright, Ridley, Ben Hobbs and Nate Caddy will all miss the clash down at RSEA Park in Moorabbin. Jake Kelly's nursing a hamstring. He'll miss as well. Sam Draper has joined, rejoined the main training. He won't play the Saints either, nor the, neither will Dylan Shield. So it'll be a younger-looking and a different-looking Bombers outfit that takes on the Saints in match sim on Friday. Uh, Kane Baldwin also going to be out, and Tex Wanganine also sidelined. So Bombers are going to have to just go to the uh, to the de- go deep into the kit bag to get some players in their first match sim <laughs> again. I wouldn't take too much out of these. These are just really blowing out the cobwebs, a little bit of a training run, get themselves sorted going forward, and I guess we'll see the, the proper makeup of teams over the next couple of weeks. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you want to join in the conversation on the Harcourts open line, your move, your Harcourts for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts, and the temper text is up and running. Zero four double three. 
98 11 16. A mattress like no other. I've got a $100 Sporting Globe voucher to give away between now and the end of the show. And uh, I tell you what, if you give me a good nomination for what you would reverse, what's one sporting moment you would reverse in your life, if you had the opportunity, I might just give that away for you to uh, go and talk to some, uh, have a have a beer with some friends at the Sporting Globe during the AFL season. one 736 736 Mark Bickley not far away. We're going to speak to Nick Maddinson as well. He's fresh off a Sheffield Shield ton and Victoria sitting second on the Sheffield Shield ladder. A big game coming up against Tasmania in a couple of days' time as well. That one could determine who goes to the final. If the Vicks lose, well, they put themselves in a tough position, but if they win, they can uh, draw ever closer to the top of the ladder in their final game of the season. So we'll talk to Nick Maddinson about that. And then Felix von Hoff, to round things out, is going to talk about the NBL Awards last night. Bryce Cotton, a, four, a four-time MVP. And before we get to a break, here's Bryce Cotton on uh, his thoughts on winning it and what motivates him. I mean, I've had a chip on my shoulder my whole life, but uh, I didn't really pay attention to what y'all was saying because, honestly, I was, I, was, I was playing very, very bad, so I didn't pay no mind, but I, I had a, quite an idea of what everybody was saying. And, um, yeah, like I said, it was a collective effort, but I'm always built for motivation, but it's more about proving myself right rather than uh, people wrong. Superstar, he is Bryce Cotton. He needs three more MVPs to catch our man, Andrew Gaze. Don't know if he'll get there. He's 31, and uh, we'll see if he sticks around in the NBL. I mean, he's been here long enough now. Why wouldn't he? But he is an absolute A-grade superstar of that competition. Keeps on keeping on, does Bryce Cotton, and uh, won his fourth MVP last night. Dean Vickerman with his third coach of the year. Felix Von Hoff going to break it all down uh, a little bit later on. You are listening to the Sporting Capital here on your home of sport, SEN. More to come on the other side of this. Sporting Capital on your home of sport, John Donahoe with you. It's a pleasure to do this each and every week. Get to talk to you, wonderful people out there. Get your thoughts on the great, well, events and moments in sport. one 736 736 You know what to do there on the Harcourt's open line. And 0433981116. Temper a mattress like no other. We're talking tonight. If you could reverse one sporting moment in your life, if you got the opportunity, what would it be? And Julian in Essendon has jumped on the open line, wants to give his contribution. Hi, Julian. Hi, mate. Hi, mate. How are you going? Good, good. I was just thinking about the, the possibility of a world where the whole Wayne Carey saga didn't happen, both from a yes. club and even Wayne Carey perspective. Yeah. Uh, the Kangas back then. Yeah. I wonder if North Melbourne would have won another flag, potentially. Absolutely. 96, 99, and then a few more good years from the King mm. really could have could have made a difference, I think. And even from Kerry perspective, like, without that saga, without going to Adelaide and all that, mm. you know, would he have been viewed a little differently, probably, yeah. uh, you know, from an overall perspective, but even from a footy perspective, right? A few good years. Mm. Who knows what could have happened and... Yeah, as a young Kangas fan, that that day when I found out, absolutely shattering for you know myself and the club. And, mm. Yeah, could have been a different world, I reckon. It absolutely could. It's a great call, Julian, because you know, I mean, we get caught up a lot of the a lot of the time these days in the greatest of all time debate, and whether he is in that discussion is probably he is. I mean, but 
his legacy could have been so much bigger and greater had that not happened. And he stayed at North Melbourne as captain or whatnot, and they won a couple more premierships. You just never know where he'd be seen in the annals of the game. Absolutely. Could have been a much more simpler decision on who's the, who's mm. the greatest or, or up there. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Julian, uh, good call by you. I'm going to give you a $100 Sporting Globe voucher for you and mates to enjoy during the footy season. Uh, just hold the line. I'll send you back to my man, link out the back, and he'll grab your details. But you've won a uh, $100 Sporting Globe voucher. Enjoy that. Head down to the Sporting Globe and... Uh, it's stuck in in the footy season. 0433981116, Brett says the Atlanta Falcons, horrific Super Bowl loss to the Patriots, giving up a 28-3 lead. It still baffles me to this day that they were that the Patriots were able to come back. But then again, they had a guy called Tom Brady at the helm. So it's I guess it shouldn't be baffling. 28-3, though, and that was late. That was into the third quarter that was the score. The Pats to come back and just win that Super Bowl was insane. I've got a couple of Atlanta Falcons friends, and they just could not believe what was taking place at the time. It was one of the crazier Super Bowls, it's fair to say. And Tom Brady, well, he just went on and won another one, so knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, thanks for your text, Brett. Well done, 433 my great mate, Robbie from Paran, is back. Hello, Rob. Uh, JD, we need an update on your retirement tour. Give the people what they want one more year. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Don't know if I'll play another year, Rob, but uh, going well at the moment. The boys are poised for a finals campaign, which is great. Looking forward to getting out there on Saturday as well. Thank you, Rob. A loyal listener as always. And always interested in what I'm doing uh, off the, uh, well, on the field. 0433981116 if you want to weigh in on anything else. Before we get to a very quick break, and we'll get to Mark Bickley on the other side of it, Tom Morris provided an update on Channel 9 a little bit earlier today on the, the state of the Tassie Stadium. This is starting to get a little bit messy now down in Tasmania, and, well, it's not a certainty it's going to uh, all unfold. Well, less than a month out from that election that you speak of, the stadium, as a result, the uh, team down there is in serious limbo. Now, the opposition leader, Rebecca White, has repeatedly said she'll seek to renegotiate the stadium deal if Labor wins the March 23 election. She said, and I quote here, the stadium is not the right priority for our state. We also don't believe it can be built on that site for that price and in that time frame. I think the AFL are also coming to realise that. But the AFL today reaffirmed its position to Nine News, which is a roof stadium, a 23,000-seat uh, stadium, and also built at Macquarie Point. Tony, there's no other way to say this. A Labor victory would be catastrophic for the prospects of a stadium and, as a result, a team in Tasmania, and that's exactly what the league is dealing with at the moment. Now, the polls are very tight as well, so it could, could go either way. If Labor win the election, then it's likely to be, going to be a minority government. That's not good news for Tasmania, who have waited so long to get themselves an AFL team. I just... This is just starting to get a little bit worrying now. Now, I'm a big advocate of getting Tasmania in, but it's almost starting to become more hassle than it's worth. And we know that if it, if this goes south, pardon the pun, if this goes south, Tassie are done. And I would suggest probably forever. This is It's now or never for, uh, for Tasmanian football. And if what Tom Morris says is true there, a Labor victory could be catastrophic for Tasmania and their chances of getting a team. Seems stadiums are, are becoming a real focal point in sport at the moment. 
no one's willing to spend the billions of dollars to seemingly upgrade or build new stadiums. We know what's happened at the Gabba as well with the Olympic rebuild. That looks like it's hit a snag. And now with the Tasmanian one as well, this is just starting to get a little bit worrying if you are a Tasmanian football supporter. So your thoughts. If you are in Tassie, give us a call. What do you what do you what can you gauge from living down there? What what is the feeling like in Tasmania? I'd love to hear from any of our Tassie supporters or Tassie people on the open line. Get on. 1-300-736-736. Or you can send us a text. What's the growing feeling in Tasmania like for this to happen? Is it going to happen or is it seemingly falling? Shorter and shorter each and every day. Let us know. one 736 Mark Bickley, former Adelaide captain, is going to join us. Talk all things footy on the other side of this. Welcome back to the Sporting Capital. Been a good show so far. Keep your calls coming on the Harcourts open line. one 736 for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts. John Donahoe with you right through until 10 o'clock tonight. We're going to talk a little bit of footy now with one of my favourites. I had this man's footy card when I was a young man growing up. Was an absolute superstar. Former Crows captain, SENSA brekkie host Mark Bickley joins us on the line. Hey, Bix. Hey, good day, John. How are you? Going very well. You excited? You as excited as I am for footy to come back? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we got a, a minor taste last week, a couple of internal trials over here in Adelaide. But, yeah, it promises to be a really interesting season. Um, some great rivalries, some rivalries of teams that are in, you know, really good shape. You know, thinking of Carlton and Collingwood. You, you think about, um, uh, you know, Collingwood and Essendon maybe. Mm. You know, Essendon on the improve. You think Melbourne are going to be pretty solid again. So I think there's going to be uh, a great season. And then, of course, the question mark around Brisbane and can they take that next step and, and actually not just make the grand final but win one. So um, plenty of talking points, as there always is at the start of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Last year was super tight as well. Do you, re- do you reckon we're set for another big season? Every year there's there's close and, and p- teams that are, I guess, on the rise. Gold Coast this year, Essendon, as you mentioned. You know, you probably could have said Hawthorne up until a couple of days ago. But are we in for another tight finish, do you think? I would think so. I think that the uh, the gap is getting smaller, particularly around the teams from about you know fifth through to fourteenth. I reckon you know it depends on whether you have a decent run with injury and and um, and form and availability of your good players. And um, generally, you know, if you can do that and particularly bank some points early in the year and get some confidence, that that sort of sets you on your way. And I think there's you know like a lot of teams, like I said, probably there's a dozen teams. The finish in around that fifth to fourteenth, they're all got sort of eyeballs on trying to finish in the top eight, but obviously all of them can't. And there's some other teams like Brisbane and Collingwood and a few others that you think are, are going to go pretty well this year. So, you know, it points to a really close season. Yeah, and there's always a couple of sliders, a couple of improvers. Have you had time to sit down and, and sort of look at lists and think about who might drop, who might improve drastically this year? Well, you think, as you mentioned, Gold Coast, under uh, Dimo will, will get better. Um, you know, they've had a great recruiting hand as well. They've, they've never been short of talent. So you think with a bit of structure and a bit of belief that they, they'll certainly push up towards the top eight. Um, Adelaide finished outside the eight. I'm a little bit biased there. You, you think, you know, they don't have to do a whole lot more to um, to win a couple of extra games to, to get inside the top eight. Um, yeah, so, you know, the Bulldogs, you know, you 
you always look at the talent they have on their list and think that uh, you know they're always going to be around the mark as well. And you know they they are a team that probably underachieved last year. Fremantle are another one that didn't do really well. And and I think the um, the GWS Giants finished off so strongly last year. And if you recall the halfway mark of the year, they were three wins, seven losses. So if they find their consistency a bit earlier in the season, they could be one that pushes right up to the pointy end. Yeah, I agree with you. We're going to get on to the Crows in just a moment, but we've seen a number of injuries in the preseason and not not to mention the Hawks the other day. How, how do you... How do you react as a team? I don't know if this ever happened to you when you were at the Crows and you had big preseason injuries. Does it does it bring the club down a little bit and the players think, oh gee, I can't go in in a practice game in the uh, in the contest because I might get hurt here and and further deplete our stocks? It's it's such a horrible time for long term injuries this time of year. Yeah, it is. You know, the grounds are firm, the players are you know really fit, they move really fast at this time of year, so it does lend itself to getting some of those injuries. But I think as a, an athlete, you can't really think about the consequences of those things, you really just have to be focused on what you're trying to do in terms of win the ball, what you're trying to do when you when you have the ball. And I guess the other thing you're looking at is, you know, if players do get injured, you've got to try and, you know, sell the story that it creates opportunities for others to, to be able to, to step up and, and take the opportunity as it arises. So, you know, Sam Mitchell, I'm sure he's a, um, you know, he's a systems-type coach who will say, you know, it's more important about the way we play as opposed to the personnel we have. But, yeah, it makes it difficult when you're, you know, you've lost your, your reigning best and fairest and some of your most attacking players from half-back. That certainly doesn't make your life any easier. No, it certainly doesn't. Let's talk about your former club for a moment. I know they've had some internal stuff and they'll start to really ramp things up over the next uh, week or so. What have you thought of their preseason so far? A lot talked about. Obviously, just missed out on the finals in controversial fashion last year. How you expect the Crows to go this year? Yeah, look, I, I think they should um, continue to improve. They've, got a, they've still got a very young list. Um, they had the, the highest-scoring forward line last year or the highest-scoring team in the competition. So, you know, Taylor Walker was in good form and you've got, you've got Fogarty and Rochelle and Rankin and those types. So... Feel like Fogarty, Phil Thorpe, Rankin, Rochelle are all still, you know, with their, their best footy ahead of them. Uh, Taylor Walker, not so much. If he could get anywhere near matching last year, that'd be a bonus. So, you know, you think that's going to work for them. Their midfield is looking like the depth is in improving there with the players like Rochelle and Pedler and, and others, you know, adding to that midfield depth. Probably the, the area of, of doubt for Adelaide is a little bit sort of down back. They. They look a little bit skinny with um, Duday leaving the club. Nick Murray's out with a, a long-term knee injury. Jordan Butts at the moment is on the sidelines with a hamstring injury. So those key position stocks, they just look a little light in that uh, regard. So um, Murray be back sort of mid-season. Butts should be back after a couple of rounds or close to sort of round one or two. So they just have to see if they can hold up early on until some of those... Mm. Um, sort of tall defensive stocks sort of arrive back into the team. Well, they've got a good opportunity in the first six games to really set themselves up for a big season. The Gold Coast in round one is going to be an interesting test. Geelong in round two, and then they take on Freo, Melbourne, Carlton and Essendon. So within that, some really good challenges to see where they're at at the start of the year, but also some really winnable games. Yeah, most definitely. And, and you know, you're always cautious at the start of the year because you just don't know, you know, how good Essendon will be or how good... Geelong are going to be this year, you know, the Gold Coast as well. So you just have to, you know, focus on the areas of your game that you're looking to improve upon. And I think that is a little bit about, you know, the defence all over the ground for Adelaide. If you're, if you're the high-scoring team and you miss out on the eight, it probably means you've, 
you've been scored against a little bit. So I know they've worked on that in the preseason, mm. and they'll be looking to, to limit sides, probably you know, transitioning into defence a bit better and and a bit more as a whole all across the ground. And if they can do that, and perhaps limit the damage when you know the game goes against them, they often scored against heavily. You know, in a five or ten minute period, they concede a number of goals in a row, and that that was costly. So. They're some of the areas they're looking to improve upon. How excited should Crows fans be about uh, Dan Curtin? Because I think the Crows were pretty happy that he, he got all the way through to their pick. No doubt. And, and he looks like a beast. I've seen him train a couple of times. He's a big boy for 18 years of age, 197 centimetres. His body's fully developed. Played a little bit on Taylor Walker early on in the trial match, and um, uh, Taylor took one or two marks on him. But then pretty much for the rest of the game, he, he moved slightly around in the different defensive positions and was pretty solid after that. But I think there's probably others that might be just in front of him around round one, but long-term, he is going to be a star player. So I don't think they're going to try and rush uh, Dan at all. And uh, he'll find his level and yeah, he'll, he'll play some senior footy this year. Uh, I have no doubt about that. But when that is, we'll, we'll wait and see. Speaking to former Crows captain, SENSA Brecky host Mark Bickley on the Sporting Capital. Bix, before we let you go, let's go across town for a moment. Uh, you are you are in Adelaide and uh, Port Adelaide seem to be, well, making, a, I guess, a, a run at it after their recruiting in the off-season. They, they filled a lot of needs and now it looks like they're set to, uh, set to have a big season. Yeah, you're right. Um, their midfield looks extremely good, doesn't it? You know, if you think about Horn Francis at 20 years of age, he's only going to get better and better. Butters and Rosie, you know, are like Batman and Robin. They're, yeah. they're two A-grade midfielders who are just moving into the, the prime of their careers at, at 24 years of age. And they just look like they've just got a bit more depth behind the ball. If you add Radigalia and, and uh, Zerk Thatcher uh, to Aaliyah, uh, you know, Dan Houston and a few others down back, that that looks like it's been shored up. And, and then, of course, you can... Um, at Jordan Sweet and and Ivan Soldo to the ruck department, which you know lacked depth last year with the injury to Lysette, and they're starting to look really good. So, you know, I feel like you know they finished fifth last year, went out in straight sets in the finals, a bit banged up towards the end of the season. If they can stay a bit more sound, you know, we saw them win 13 games in a row, which mm. is very difficult to do. I think Port are going to be right up around it uh, in the in the top half of the eight again this year. Do you think if they do have a down year, Port Adelaide, do you think the pressure will come back on Ken Hinckley? I don't like talking about, you know, coaches and, and getting moved on or anything like that. And we're, we're already talking about Matthew Nix potentially re-signing for the Crows, which is great news. But I guess 10 years in the system for Ken Hinckley, this has got to be a big year for him on field, you would imagine? Yeah, I think so. Look, they re-signed him for two years. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I feel reasonably confident and I know... Port Adelaide and, and uh, the management and the coaching staff are very bullish about you know how the sides train during pre-season, how they think they're going to go. So you know I'm, if I'm a Port fan. I wouldn't be all that concerned. Um, I, I think they're going to have a good year. Which as long as they're up playing finals and, and contending, I think Ken Hinckley's going to be safe. Probably the year after is the one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before we let you go. Bix, uh, what is the vibe in Adelaide this time of year? I mean, it's February and we haven't got round one in the books just yet, but is it starting to divide into the different tribes, the Crows and Port Adelaide? What, what's what's the vibes in Adelaide like right now? It's actually pretty good this year because I think both supporters genuine, genuinely believe that their side is going to play finals. So it probably hasn't been the case the last couple of years. There's been a little bit of pessimism around Adelaide. 
Port Adelaide started the year last year with a bit of pessimism and then came good throughout the season. So I think both teams uh, and their supporters are genuinely looking forward to the year. Uh, Crows have had the wood on Port Adelaide in the showdowns. I think they've won their last three at least, I think. So uh, Port Adelaide will be looking to atone for that and they actually play each other in an organised trial match uh, this weekend at, at Albert, actually, this Friday night. So that'll be a good indication of where both teams are sitting. I know they'll play a lot of players, but we'll still get a chance to see both teams perform against some, some opposition. Yeah, wouldn't uh, something I have really envis- envisioned and, and would love to see is a a final between Port Adelaide and Adelaide. A showdown final would be something epic at the Adelaide Oval, and hopefully this is the year. What would that do to the town, Bix? Yeah, there was one in, I think it was 2005. Yeah. Um, Chad Corns famously said it's the final they've dreamed of after Port Adelaide <laughs> won through to, to get the right to play Adelaide and then Adelaide ended up winning by over 10 goals. So those words came back to haunt him. But it, it just took the rivalry to a new level. And, of course, Chad played the game beautifully and, and um, was fantastic for that rivalry. But it's been a long time between drinks, yeah, so it's almost two decades since that's happened. So... You know, the thought of it, that happened at Footy Park, of course. The thought of it happening at Adelaide Oval is a great one. And who knows, we'll keep our fingers crossed. We might see it this year. Absolutely. Adelaide love their footy, whether it's Port Adelaide or the Crows. Uh, it's going to be a big footy season. Bix, really appreciate you jumping on board. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. And all the best with SEN SA Brecky with uh, with Jared Walsh as well. No problems, Thomas. Mark Bickley there joining us. Former Crows captain here on the Sporting Capital. Keep your calls coming. one 736 More Sporting Capital coming up next. The space to it's your home of sport, SEN. John Donohue is my name. We've got a big last hour coming your way. Felix von Hoff to talk all things NBL awards. And we'll finish up with Nick Maddinson. Fresh off of Sheffield Shield ton and a big part of why... Victoria are second on the Sheffield Shield ladder as of right now. A couple of things before we head to our final break of this hour. Melbourne have just released a statement. We've obviously given you the news about Joel Smith in the last hour or so. Uh, It reads like this. The Melbourne Footy Club has been advised by the AFL that further anti-doping rule violations have been asserted against Joel Smith by Sport Integrity Australia. Melbourne Footy Club is not authorised to make public comment while this is an ongoing matter and that is being investigated by Sport Integrity Australia. It should be noted, since the article has been published on the Herald Sun website, Joel's management has contacted the club on his behalf to advise the com- that the comments made by the source within the article aren't, are not reflective of Joel's views and the source is not speaking on any authority from Joel. Joel has, been, has made it very clear that he has no issue or concerns with anyone at the Melbourne Football Club. As the club has uh, previously stated, we will wait for the investigation to be complete before we update our supporters further. That's just in from the Melbourne Football Club on the Joel Smith scenario. Make sure you you tune in tomorrow morning on SEN Breakfast. Sam Edmund will have all the latest uh, updated news on the uh, on the latest pertaining to Joel Smith. So uh, that's just about all I can give you basically at the moment. Keep your calls coming, one 736 on the Temper 40 Winks text. Amit Baines, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, was on with Jared Waitley uh, earlier today. He spoke on a couple of different topics and some important ones at that. This first one is about 
the possibility of tension between Luke Beveridge and Chris Grant, he admitted there was a little bit at some time. Is there a tension between the two of them? Uh, there has been, um, you know, in, in many quarters, I think, just generally within the department, going back to the previous question about that uncertainty, but... Um, you know, I was on record um, a couple of weeks ago dismissing some of the suggestions about there being um, a blow-up and an unworkable um, uh, breakdown and, and things like that. I think that's grossly exaggerated and to the extent that, um, you know, some of these tensions existed within our football program even more broadly, um, it's fair to say that um, that was last year and coming back into the new year and I know we'll talk about um, the season to come, it's been incredibly positive. Um, I had the, the privilege of being on our training camp up in Bar for eight or nine days and um, I saw a really different program in terms of just the excitement, the energy, the enthusiasm and um, I think the process that we've gone through, um, albeit it has been quite um, protracted and, and has involved two stages has actually allowed um, for a lot of the people who have been at our club to, to almost have a cathartic experience. I think talking about it and, and getting things off their chest with a view to then seeing what changes come from that um, and then just really looking forward and, and having confidence in, in each and every one around them. Interesting comments there from a mate Baines on Luke Beveridge and as well as that Chris Grant, a little bit of a feud between them, the Bulldogs are a fascination of mine. I, I, I must say, I'm not a supporter of the Bulldogs, I, I, but I love watching the Bulldogs. Marcus Pontempelli, out and out, my favourite player in the competition by a margin, and I think that they should be doing better than they are. So we'll see. If they don't play finals this year, it's going to be really fascinating. And if it's trending that way with five or six rounds to go, I'll be interested to see what they do with the contract of Luke Beveridge. It's been uh, a talking point for some time. He also spoke about ho- uh, the club being hopeful of getting deals done for Tim English and Jamari Hagen. We'd certainly love to, to do that. Um, the possibility is that they can um, drag out. I think the only um, reason they would would be around term and tenure as we, we get into the nuts and bolts of what that looks like. I think the, the starting point of, of the want of both club and player is really positive. So with that being the the um the starting point you hope that it can get done in a in a timely manner but there's always a possibility that it that it drags out and um i think what we've seen as more of a trend in in recent times as well is that um some higher profile contracts have taken longer to get done and i think ultimately becomes a um a choice for the player and how well they're coping with it and, and how does their football go. Some tend to cope really well and it has no impact. They just go out and play their footy so they can um, compartmentalise it. Others, it starts to, to weigh on their mind a bit and um, it becomes in the interest of both parties to get the deal done sooner. So um, we'll, we'll see where it lands with both. There you go. Bulldogs hopeful of getting it done nice and early with Tim English, who is the, the key signing of those two, but also Jamari Hagen, who we know has had interest elsewhere in the last couple of years. Fascinating year for the Bulldogs ahead. That was a meet Baines with Jared Waitley. You can catch that on the podcast on the Waitley program if you missed it. SEN.com.au for all that and more. Felix Von Hoff going to join us on the other side of this to talk all things NBL. Here's 
for Sporting Capital. We've got a big, big last hour coming your way. Felix von Hoff about to join me. Nick Maddinson from the Victorian cricket team as well. Still plenty of sport to get through. And we'll take your calls right up until 10 o'clock. one 736 736 Ronnie says, I'd love to reverse the great tagster's fall, although he's ended up on his feet. Pardon the pun. He's now living a life in constant pain. Always donated to the National Jockeys Trust. That is true. That's a very good uh, nomination for what you would reverse in the world of sport. Uh, we've got live sport going on as well. Just before we get to Felix, uh, the A-League is on and it's full time and the Melbourne Victory have beaten Western United 2-1. So a late, couple of late goals from Melbourne Victory. Both of them scored in stoppage time by Damien De Silva has meant that the Melbourne Victory have won 2-1. Uh, in the NBL overnight, Bryce Cotton just solidified himself as a out-and-out superstar, which we already knew. Uh, he won his fourth Andrew Gaze Award and is uh, league MVP. Needs three to catch Gazy. And a man, well, we always go to the best in the business when it uh, comes to uh, NBL. And we've got that in uh, ESPN NBL expert, an all-round good guy and good-looking rooster in uh, Felix von Hoff. Hello, von Hoffington. When I heard that intro, I thought, I was. One, I wonder who else is on the line here. <laughs> there must be someone else. Is Gazy about to join? Or is no. Derek Rucker, sure. No, no, no. We go to the very best. Very best. I asked Cam Luke today, who do I get on? And he, well, he gave me your phone number. So uh, <laughs> I said... There could have been a lot of things that you asked Cam Luke and he would have given you my phone number. I reckon this so I'm is, glad it was, it was something positive. This is true. How are you, Felix? I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? Good. No, I'm going well. Interestingly, I was just in the car listening. to Unfortunately, it was another radio station. It was FM radio. Oh. It was one of those Taylor Swift contests oh, yeah. and where they play the first second of a song, and I got all six of them right. <laughs> so I think I've heard it that much over the last week. It's ingrained in my head at the moment. There you go. You've just finished basketball training. How is Gazy? He's, uh, is, he, is he driving you hard at the moment? Uh, it, we could win a game by 60, and, and Gazy would find something to, to pick his hair out about. <laughs> And it's starting to thin a little bit up top, so he finds something. But no, there is, you will not find, I say this all the time, it's Andrew and his father, Lindsay Gaze, you will not find people that have given back to their sport mm. almost across the world more than Gaze. He's there tonight doing it for free, yelling, screaming, the most passion you will see, more passion than professional coaches that get paid for this stuff. And I'll tell you what, it's something to admire, and sometimes you just got to sit back sometimes and appreciate that, yeah, this is our country's best player. Absolutely. And it was his awards night last night. And Bryce Cotton, well, he's edging ever closer to him now, Felix. Four MVPs. He, he's getting into uncharted territory at the moment. He might be the greatest NBL player we've seen in some time. What would you make of last night and him winning his fourth? Look, I, I think it was fantastic. And, and the fact that he's not just winning these MVPs, you know, it's, it's a close contest towards the end. Oh, who's going to win it? And he, he just gets it. He wins them by a mile. Like, the, the bookie's favourite halfway through the season, sitting at twenty, And it's been like that so many times. You know what? He should have five. Andrew Bogut won one when, in, you know, no fault of Andrew Bogut's, but it should have been Bryce Cotton's. And every time I hear people try to get in this debate about, is he the greatest import of all time? It's just, it's just cannon fodder for radio chat because <laughs> he is 100% the greatest import we've seen, the championships, the MVPs. And look... Yeah, the Perth Wildcats are sitting second on the table at the moment. I think they've got a red-hot chance of winning it again this year. If they do that, then, you know, he solidifies himself as absolutely no question 
the greatest import of all time, but he's done it with such class as well. Like, mm. I mean, he gets up there and he gives these speeches and he just exudes this sort of elite-level athlete where, you know, they put the performance in, they put the recovery and all of this sort of stuff, and they don't rest on their laurels. It's not like he wins a couple of awards and championships and, oh, okay, now I'm going to enjoy myself. It's like, no, how do I get better the next year? So it's going to be dangerous. He's still fairly young, so it's going to be dangerous to yeah. see. Yeah, 31 years old, and he could play, and he's not going anywhere. You know, he's an NBL player, and he's not going to be going back to the NBA, even though he is capable of doing that. It's just he's very, very comfortable where he is. He's going to be staying at the Wildcats long-term. So it's going to be remarkable where he's at. Touch wood, forbid injury, anything else, where he finishes his career. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did discuss it a little bit earlier when I was promoing that you were coming on. I was interested. You know, sometimes when players are just in the league for so long, they win all these accolades, and then they just vanish from the NBL or from different leagues around the country. It's good to – so I, I assume he said that or you, you just got a good gauge of the fact that he's just going to finish his career in the NBL? He said before that he, he actually, you know, he wants to be referred to as the greatest import of all time and he likes being a one-club player. So he said that that's what he wants to do. And, look, the, the Wildcats, you know, they already pay him about as much as you could possibly play, pay a player. They're not, mm-hmm. there's, no club's going to be beating that. The Wildcats are one of the most profitable clubs in the league, of course, within the SCN family now, of yes. course. And I just don't think that they're going to – no club's going to be able to – they might offer him the same money, but they're not going to be able to offer him as much as what the Wildcats do. He's playing in front of 15,000 every week. It's just, you know, once you've settled into life over there and you're not – you're happy living away from society – then once you settle into that, you very rarely pry them away from it. Absolutely. Bryce Cotton, 118 votes. He beat out Chris Golding, who's had a great season, 53 votes. He mentioned there that wasn't even close. And Chris Golding's a a superstar. (laughs) Yeah, Chris Golding's a superstar, one of his best years in the league at 35 or whatever he's sitting at now. But Bryce Cotton had a terrible first sort of seven (laughs) games of the year. He had the worst the worst start to the career. There was people out there saying he was done. They were saying, oh, he's too old. He's finished. He's, you know, he's, he's, they've worked out how to guard him. And then he just comes around and does that. So it's a, it's a really, it's a remarkable turnaround. And it's, you know, it's shown in the Wildcat success as well. They were dead in the water. God, the fans were calling. They were coming for Hutchie. They were coming for the coach. They were coming for Bryce Cotton. They were coming for, they were coming, they were about to storm the capital SEN in Melbourne at one point there. I thought it was going to be a January 6 operation on the office in, the, in South Melbourne there. But they, they just completely turned it around. And you know, that's the sort of passion you want. But it just shows you how important he mm. is. There's, there's no more valuable player. You know, obviously he wins the award, but there is no more valuable player than Bryce Cotton in the league. Yeah, 23.1 points, 4, 4.3 assists a game. He was a league scoring champion, and he adds the 2024 MVP to 2018-2020 and 2021. And as you said, he could well be a five-timer. I mean, his, his impact on this league, he's put us on the map, I think. Where are we at with – is he ever going to play for Australia, or does that look dead in, dead in the water? No, it, it looks dead in the water, unfortunately. And, you know, I, I think it's stupid when people come out and say, oh, but we don't need a Bryce Cotton we need to develop Australian talent. We need to win medals. I don't care whether we whack a kangaroo on LeBron's back or what have we got to do. Just get the best players we can possibly have. And Paddy Mills is getting older and he proved in the World Cup that maybe he's just a step slower than he was in the past. Bryce Cotton is exactly what we need because our entire boomers team, our entire national team is filled with role-playing NBA players. You know, guys that play 20 minutes and they you know, shoot a few threes and then play great defense on the other end, it's hard to then step into this role where you've got to be a scorer. And I hate the word. I'll slap myself for saying it, but you've got to be an alpha male. <laughs> it's, it's hard to step into that role when you've been playing that sort of 
secondary sort of third line position in the NBA. And, and we need a guy that's used to playing 38 minutes and, he, and scoring when he gets the ball. And Bryce Cotton could definitely do that at the FIBA level. But unfortunately, the, uh, you know, there's, there's bigger issues in the country at the moment than uh, Bryce Cotton citizenship. So it appears they're dealing with, they're dealing with those before they get to that. Yeah, disappointing for sure. Hey, let's broaden our uh, horizons a little bit. The coach of the year was won by Dean Vickerman, I think his third from memory, a Melbourne yep. United coach. They finished on top, obviously, 20 wins, eight losses. Probably the right call in the end, uh, Felix? Yeah, definitely. I think the fairy tale story was Justin Tatum, but there just wasn't enough runs on the board. Now, if you award this award, which I think it should be, totally at the end of the season and the Illawarra Hawks make a run and they make it to the championship game, then maybe Justin Tatum can be deserving of the award. But I think they started top, they finished top. You've got to give the award there to Dean Vickerman. And, you know, as much as the the sexy option, for lack of a better term, was Justin Tatum (laughs) rather than the guy with arguably the best team in Dean Vickerman. But I think the, the right decision was made there. And it was funny on the night because, you know, I was sitting there on the table and you could always, you always sort of knew who was going to win the award because the camera would be situated right next to them. Now, you know, at the Brownlow, they've got about 30 cameras roaming. At the NBL there last night, we only had the one camera roaming. <laughs> so you knew who was going to get the award. Now, it was positioned next to Justin Tatum. And I think the cameraman realised what people were picking up on and he switched it at the last second to Dean Vickerman. So he's, he's faked everyone out thinking it was going to be Justin Tatum there. But, uh, yeah, some tricky work by the cameraman on the night. Absolutely. What about the rest of the awards? We'll go through a couple of them. Any that surprised or were they all pretty stock standard? Sean McDonald won the most improved player from Tasmania. The best six man was Ian Clark of Melbourne. Uh, Defensive player of the year, Shay Illy, which I think was long, long uh, lauded as what was going to be the case there. And the Next Generation Award went to Sam Froling, the executive of the year, Nick Trulson from Melbourne United. Anything there that... Shocked you stood out, or was that all pretty stock standard? No, it was all pretty stock standard. Look, in the first first and second uh, NBL teams were both, you know, they were fairly easy to pinpoint there since they changed the rules where it didn't have to be exact positions. You could just choose any player, and it was pretty, there was pretty clear five ahead of the rest that were easy to pick there. But I think the, the great story out of it was Sean McDonald winning most improved because he's still a development player, which means he isn't totally contracted on the team. Now, he will be next year, but this year he wasn't expected to play much. And then he came in and had a fantastic season for, you know, he didn't have a fantastic season for the team that finished his last and just had to blood a whole bunch of young players. He did it for the team that's sitting third on the ladder and and had a really good season. So I think that's a fantastic story. And that's another just an Aussie guy who didn't go over to college he stayed over here and he went through the, the NBL one, the Siebel back in the day. He was at Melbourne United as a development player. They said, we don't want you back. Tasmania said, we'll take you. And he, and he got some really good opportunity and, and he seized it. So I think the feel-good story of the night was definitely Sean McDonald winning that one. Absolutely. NBL finals coming up as well. Hey, before we get on to the NBL finals, and we won't keep you too much longer, I noticed that uh, former, well, he's played for about 17 teams, but Boston Celtics was probably when I watched him the most. Isaiah Thomas, not the former uh, Detroit Piston, but... Uh, the former Boston Celtics player, is in town and didn't rule out. He said, if I got an offer from the NBL, I'd come. He's 35 years old. That might be a nice coup for the NBL if they can get him. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is with with some of these guys, now we had Dwight Howard as well showing interest. And, you know, Dwight Howard's, from what I've heard, is a strong possibility to play for a team in the NBL next year. Wow. there, There is quite a few clubs that are currently, he wants to play. Dwight Howard wants to play. It's just about which clubs will he fit in because the league's gotten to a point now where we don't want gimmicks. 
you know, it's teams are they're, they're profitable entities. They're they're playing to win games. They're not just going to bring a guy in because he's got you know NBA caliber or things like that. The leagues at a good enough standard now, where you know sometimes these guys get found out and they're not as good in the league. Now, Isaiah Thomas is good enough where I think any team would be smart enough to take him, and I'd be shocked if he wasn't currently in talks because the best pathway back to the NBA for these guys is not going through Europe where the time zones are all shocking and it's, there's not a huge amount of connection to the NBA, is to come through the NBL. And especially with you know the Next Stars program, the number one pick in the draft this year, Alex Saar, is playing for the Wildcats. So there are scouts everywhere at all these games. Any NBL game you go to, there's three or four NBA scouts that are watching these young guys. So why wouldn't you, as Isaiah Thomas, want to play here? Now, Dwight Howard is another guy that wants to make it back in the NBA. He's, he's you know, the playing in the NBL is the best option because if he comes in and averages 20 and 10, then they can compare that to what he would probably be like in the NBA because he's playing against some other sort of NBA bodies. So it's, yeah, I know that Dwight Howard is, look, I wouldn't be shocked if he was in the NBL next year if they can find the right fit and they know that he's 100% checked into the winning games. But yeah, I'd, I'd hope that Isaiah Thomas is in those talks as well. Be big coup for the uh, NBL if they can get a couple of former NBA superstars and certainly put eyes on uh, on the, I guess, the big show down here as well. And it seems like the NBL is just building and building and building very nicely across the world and we're getting a bit more recognition. No, it's huge. But it's for the amount of times that, um, you know, people will say, oh, you know, I watched this, you know, back, you know, even four years ago, no, no one would really... Mentioned it, you mentioned, oh, the NBL's on tonight. Whereas, you know, I've got I've got text messages coming asking me for a same game multi from people that <laughs> I never even knew watched the basketball. That's always a good guide to see if people are tuning in. But no, it is it's definitely growing and growing. And when you've got a guy like Larry Kesselman, the owner of the league, who's really not scared to push the envelope, I think it's a real good. There's a lot of sports out there that could could do with running the model the same way that Larry Kesselman does. Because if Larry Kesselman wants something done, he gets it done. And if he thinks something might work, he just goes bang and he goes for it. And I think the NBL has been the beneficiary of a lot of those decisions that have gone the right way for the league. Now, they can always go both ways. Some things have failed, but a majority of it has gotten right. And I think we can all be very thankful that we've got someone like that in charge and the, the team that he's assembled around it. Dave Stephenson, of course, the CEO as well, pushing this thing forward. And look, you're only scratching the surface at the moment. Talking all things hoops with uh, Felix Von Hoff. Felix, before we let you go, a couple of days now, well, we're about a week out from the playoffs beginning in the NBL. Tassie v Illawarra, Sydney taking on New Zealand as well, and Melbourne United all just sitting back waiting to see who they take on. What what do you think is going to happen and what will be the storyline of this uh, final series? Well, the biggest storyline for me is there's 18 days rest for the Wildcats Mm. and Melbourne United, which that's tough. That's tough to have 18 days off and then go straight into playing against a team who's played, you know, one of these teams will have played the last two previous weeks, which is which is tough. And in basketball, you don't want to take too much time off. They haven't had 18 days off since before the season. And, you know, these teams don't have, it's not footy. It's not physical where you need all that rest and you let the body recover. You can go the next week. So it's going to be interesting to see whether some of these teams, you know, give up a, a heavy lead at the start of the game in Melbourne or Perth. I, I reckon it's, it's real danger signs that I know that their CEOs and, and front office do have a little bit of concern over how they're going to react to that sort of break. You know, game simulation is only so much. But, look, I've, I'll tell you what, the, the team that I am going for throughout the finals, I will be Illawarra. I think this, this Justin Tatum story is so good, the way that he's turned this thing around, that if they were to be able to make a run and, you know, even even win it, 
for that region and that team that struggled so much over the last couple of years. And, you know, they, they tried to take their name away and then they gave it back. I think it would just be a fantastic story. And finally, I'm just reading here on the NBL website, uh, Brian Gorgian out of the running or has pulled out of the Adelaide 36ers coaching job. Where does that leave them now? Well, Scotty Nettis was very similar to Justin Tatum. He took over the interim coach spot and he did a fantastic job. The players loved him. They all said, this is the guy that we want. And then I thought it was a bit weird that they went out and said, no, we're hunting for Gorgian. When, yeah, this guy's winning games. The players like him. How long has it been since you've had someone in Adelaide where the players actually like the coach? It's been a while. It's been dysfunctional there for a bit. And he's a he's a club legend. The, the fans like him. So if I'm Scotty Ninnis, I'm saying, hey, well, you've already shown your cards there. Add a zero to whatever you're offering me. Or bump it up by another 50 because, you know, you've shown your cards now. He's out of the race and there's no one else you can really go for. I think Trevor Gleeson's floating around potentially maybe for the Kings job. If they, if they don't continue with Mark Mood, Albert, 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 I butchered that last time. But <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one when you're sweating and you just finished practice. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think they should have gone with Scotty Nennis in the beginning. I think that um, Brian Gorgian will wait out potentially for a Melbourne job. All right, beautiful. We could, uh, we could talk plenty more, Felix, but we're running out of time. Always a pleasure, my friend. We'll do a beer again soon with Cam and the boys, I'm sure. Um, but I appreciate you jumping on. Perfect, a couple, mate, multiple, like but yeah, we do we'll so responsibly. Yeah. Yeah, be, yeah, we will responsibly. We'll have a couple of waters in between, but we'll, we'll have more than one. <laughs> Good man, Felix, you're a star. Thanks, Thank you for that. Uh, talking all things NBL with Felix Von Hoff, absolute superstar. And just all-around good-looking rooster. So uh, that's uh, plenty of NBL action still to come. And a big final series coming up as well. We're going to get to a break. Nick Maddinson, not far away. That might go for four. That might take him to 100. Constance can't get there. It's a century for Nick Maddinson, who falls to his knees. Had a tough season, but consecutive centuries for Maddinson in the Sheffield Shield. This, the 16th first-class century of his career, and how wonderfully well he's batted today. Yeah, welcome back to the Sporting Capital. It has been a great season for the Victorian men's cricket team. They sit second on the Sheffield Shield ladder at the moment, an integral part of that team has been Nick Maddinson. Another 100 for him. He's second on the season. He's up to 233 runs, averaging around 77 at the moment. And his highest score of 108 came on the weekend against New South Wales. He joins us on the Sporting Capital. Nick, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Another good knock from you. You're racking up the centuries after a big, big ba- after a slower Big Bash season for you. You're back into red ball mode and you're hitting them well. Yeah, it's nice to be back. Um... Obviously, a fair bit of time out of the game and missed quite a lot of red ball cricket. So, um, yeah, disappointed. I couldn't get up in time for the Shield cricket before BBL. And then, yeah, kind of straight in T20 cricket. I found it a bit hard to get up to the speed of the game coming off uh, no game time. But, um, yeah, it's been a nice little break, I guess. Um, had the second half of BBL to try and get myself up to speed. Played quite a bit of club cricket for St Kilda, which was fantastic. And um, a bit of second eleven as well. And then, obviously, the Shield back in last week once we started up. So, yeah, it's been a good couple of weeks for sure um, in terms of personal milestones. But, yeah, as you mentioned before, we're sitting second on the Shield table in a pretty good position this year. Yeah. Do you see it as a bit of a reward for effort? I mean, we, we'll get to the big bash and we know what happened there throughout the season, but uh, you've been in really good form for some time in the in the longest form, nearly 7,000, 7,500 first-class runs. You've been very good at this format for some time and uh, more more runs coming your way. Yeah, it feels like, you know, I've been down in Victoria for 
um, a while now, since um, 2018, and played 30-odd games. And I think that's probably where my game turned around, to be honest. Um, the move down here from, from New South Wales, I think um, I've got a pretty good grasp on how I want to bat at the moment in the longer form of the game. I've yeah, batted all over the place, to be honest, from one to about seven um, in, in Victoria. So, yeah, I feel like my game's in a pretty good good space at the moment and yeah it's been fun being up the top of the order at the moment as well we should mention i mean you did say there that you moved down from victoria is victoria going to be home for you going forward do you you like it down here are you just waiting until you can retire and head back to new south wales (laughs) uh i don't know um wait and see what happens i guess hopefully i've got a a while in me yet before i need to make that decision um like to keep going and play for a lot longer and uh, I think the group we've got at the moment is pretty exciting. I think um, the way we're playing is a really good good buzz around the group. Um, you know, the second half of last year and, and the year before as well, we made a, a bit of a strong push to get into a Shield final and came up against WA away both times. And it's a pretty hard one to, to overcome. But mm. I think this year we're in a really good position. And um, obviously, a bit disappointing with how things turned out in Sydney yesterday with the rain. But um, yeah sitting second I think we're in a pretty good position and yeah, I love being part of the group at the moment it's a, a really good balance I've got you know, quite a lot of experience and then some younger guys coming through as well and um, some strong young leaders in the group so it's been great to be a part of Absolutely, three Centurions in the first innings as well against New South Wales Peter Hanscom and, and the great one along with your own was Will Pekofsky we know what Will Pekofsky's been through over the last little while, he belted them all around you as a teammate, what, what can you tell us about his preparation and his, his mentality going into these games yeah he's obviously a class act and um you know when he plays he just looks like he's a level above um at all times and when he came out to bat i watched about three balls and i said to him i oh, just make sure you don't give him anything that you're too good to to get out today to these guys so um he definitely proved us all right in that aspect and um you know the way he plays and i think the style he plays he it really suits him that longer form of the game and um he definitely had to work hard. It was a long innings for him. I think probably not scoring a hundred for for a mm. few years, and um, everything that he's had to go through in between that makes you really knuckle down and want to go over the line. And um, yeah, he played exceptionally well and put us in a great position. And like I said, he's a pretty important part of our team going forward for the rest of the season as well. If we're making a push for not only a Shield final but also a home one as well. I know, I know you're not a selectee here, Nick, but can you see more Test cricket coming for Will Pekofsky in in the near future? I mean, he we know how prodigiously talented he is. He's opened the batting for them previously, but do you feel like he's he's starting to get his head right in the game again? Yeah, I think um, definitely in the future. I, I don't really think we should put a time frame on when that should be, um, whether it's in two years or five years or even longer. I think as soon as he and get a you know a good bunch of cricket behind him. I know he went to England last winter and played um, club cricket in the Surrey League. He's going back this year and also playing half the season of county cricket for Leicester. So um, yeah, I think he's going to be in a good place. I'd, no doubt the the talents there and um, the runs they're averaging. I think almost you know fifty one, fifty two for Victoria um, for a kid that age is, is pretty impressive and a couple of double double hundreds to his name. So mm. yeah, there's going to be no surprise that he. Um, if he plays Test cricket again, I think it's just a matter of time. Um, getting some games into him, getting a good bunch of cricket in, and um, when the time comes and you know there's an opening in the Test team, if he's in a good place, there's no doubt he, he can definitely fill the, fill the role. Oh, I have to ask you about Scotty Boland. He's one of my favourite cricketers in the country. Eight wickets for you across the two innings in the match. Uh, it was a draw, of course, against New South Wales. You must walk a lot taller when Scotty Boland's at the top of his mark. Yeah, it's 100%. I think... Um, you know, to have them eight for a hundred yesterday, and 
you know, the storm came and we were uh, sitting around waiting for to try and get back on, but it was nowhere near an eight for a hundred kind of wicket. And I think the spell he produced to take, you know, five of the top six batters, I think, um, was was pretty impressive. Um, you know, we've just made six for four hundred and fifty declared on a wicket where we lost a few wickets, kind of going for it as well to South the Declaration, and for him to come out and. Uh, on a pretty docile pitch and, you know, nick off three of their mm. top four or five and, and bowl another couple um, was pretty impressive to see. So definitely uh, going to miss him when he ducks off to New Zealand <laughs> as part of the Aussies for the next couple of games. But, um, yeah, hopefully we get him fit and firing and, and back for the for the Shield final. I guess, you know, you mentioned he is going to go to New Zealand, but you've got some pretty handy reserves. I spoke to Will Sutherland a couple of weeks ago and mentioned to him how, you know, Victorian cricket went through a little bit of a regeneration at the start of the season. They look to go a little bit younger and, and develop from within. You know, guys like Fergus O'Neill and Mitch Perry, we know what Todd Murphy can produce as well, and Will Sutherland himself. I mean, with Scott Boland leaving, it does leave a bit of a hole there, but you've still got some great young guys to uh, to fill the void. Yeah, I've got a, a pretty good group at the moment and I think we've been in a position um, the last couple of years where I've seen some guys play some cricket, um, get a little bit of experience as well. Um, and I think this year what's worked really well is that when Scotty Boland hasn't played, we've had the uh, the evergreen Peter Siddle being able to slot straight in and, <laughs> and, and, and take up that same kind of role. So no doubt he'll slide back in. He's been around the group the last couple of weeks and playing a lot of one-day cricket. I think he scored some runs on the weekend as well for Dandenong. Oh, so I'm no. sure he's... Uh, but the coaches know about that, but um, yeah, I think he should probably slide back into that squad. And um, like you said, we've been in a fortunate position where the last couple of years we've been able to get some experience into our bowlers. And um, you know, Will Sutherland's very experienced in terms of um, you know what he brings to the table, but still quite young. And I think it's uh, it's a great young group. Him, Mitch Perry, Fergus O'Neill, who have seen. Uh, Badman Young Cricket of the Year. So those blokes, along with Peter Siddle, I think we're in a really good place to, to finish here strongly. Only the one over for you, Nick, with your with your tweakers in the second innings. I know the rain intervened and you bowled one over in the first innings as well. So can we get some more overs out of you in the next game? <laughs> that was a pretty late call, to be honest. <laughs> I, uh, we're about to get told we're going off for, for light, so I only bowled the over so Todd Murphy could get an extra one before it got too dark. So, um, yeah, I... Uh, I don't mind bowling. I find it more fun bowling with the white ball, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I haven't had a lot of bowling in Shield cricket, and the way the wickets are at the moment, they're fairly uh, fairly juicy and, and a bit green, so it doesn't really suit you know a left arm part time spinner. But um, if there's a bit of wear and tear in the wicket, and we're you know on the fourth day, I'll definitely put my hand up at some point and trying to add to add to my wicket tally. I don't have a hell of a lot at the moment, so um, yeah, I'd like a few more. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking to Nick Maddinson, fresh off a century against New South Wales. A, a big game coming up uh, next week against Tasmania, 1v2. Uh, they're going to be tough to beat, obviously. A spot in the final probably on the line here or give yourself a good chance to be there if you can win. H- how confident are you you can knock them off? And, and what is what makes Tasmania such a good team that you're going to have to look out for? I think they've got a lot of bases covered, to be honest, in their team. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of guys informed with the bat, um, all ra- a lot of all-rounders that have kind of contributed with both bat and ball throughout the year. And then if you look at their bowling attack, um, you know, Gabe Bell missed this game, but it's, his record at Shield Cricket is pretty amazing. I think averaging in the low 20s with the ball. Um, Riley Meredith as well. Um, you know, It's a pretty formidable bowling attack to come up against, especially down in Hobart. They seem to play really well at home. Um, and the wicket there does suit, I think, the, the style of play they have. Um, it'll be a big challenge for us, but... As I mentioned, I feel like we're playing really good cricket. There's a, a great feeling amongst the group at the moment and 
a really confident um, kind of group for us. So, yeah, we'll be you know, going down there with, I guess, some good form and top of the table clash is always exciting. And when it puts you in a position to um, be in a Shield final and possibly host one as well, I think it's a, a really important one for us. Absolutely. Last one on Victoria before we move on to a little bit of Big Bash stuff. How, how's Sam Harper getting going in his recovery from uh, what was a pretty horrific net incident uh, in the Big Bash? Uh, he's obviously back in the side. He made 21 uh, in the first innings the other day. Uh, no, nice to have him back behind the pegs. Yeah, it's been great having him back. He took a really nice catch um, you know, the night of day three to dismiss Daniel Hughes as well. So um, great having him back in. I think the way he's playing at the moment got us over the line with a pretty important innings um, against South Australia last week. And the style of play he's playing at the moment, it's, a, it's great to watch. It's um, you know really free-flowing. He's looking to take the game on. Um, and I think, yeah, it's not too long, I think, before he gets another opportunity to to really put a big score on the board. I guess it's a good sign when your keeper's coming in, batting for a declaration, you're in a pretty good position and that's kind of where he's been at um, last week. So, yeah, I'm sure there'll be an opportunity somewhere along the line in the next couple of games for him. But, yeah, it's fantastic having him back and good good energy around the group. Um, yeah, I think, like I said, it's a, it's a really fun group to be a part of at the moment. He definitely contributes to it, so it's awesome having him around. Nick, how frustrating was the Big Bash season for you? <laughs> yeah, quite frustrating. Um <laughs> I think the main thing was I, I just was coming off no cricket and um, you know I did my best to try and play um, a bit of cricket before Christmas and just didn't really work out. So um, I think a couple of practice games and then we're straight into round one of BBL and yeah, personally I just found the speed of the game um, tough to catch up with um, when you're not coming off a lot of time in the middle. Um, there's no substitute I guess for for batting in match um, in a match and getting some balls under your belt um, regardless of the format. So I think that was probably what cost me in the end, and by the time it kind of clicked and I started feeling good, the, I was out of the team and the tournament was already over. So, um, yeah, it was a probably a, a tough month, and when you're not winning, um, makes it even harder. And I think, um, yeah, I just wanted the team to be in a good position and, yeah, ended up not playing the second half of the tournament. And, you know, we obviously didn't finish the season the way we would have liked, but um, it is a pretty exciting group. I know we lost a bit of experience this year, but having Jake resign, Will Sutherland resign. Um, and yeah, him leading the charge the second half of the season, I think we're in a pretty good position um, in the years to come. Was was there anger from your end? Because I mean, you you were you, going into the season and at the start, you know, you you named captain of this team and so much promise. And on paper, when I was calling the games, I thought, wow, this is a strong renegade side. And then you sort of end up out of the side in the back half of the year. Were you angry? Uh, I don't get angry about too much, mate. But <laughs> Good man. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't really angry. I think it was just frustrating more mm. than anything. And um, you know, as a as a leader, I felt like when you're not performing, you're letting the team down as well. And um, I think in a pretty short tournament, um, we had some big overseas players, but when they don't click um, straight away and get the performances that you would expect from them or that you've seen in the past, um, you know, a lot of your, our list was revolved around some pretty big name overseas players, especially with the bat. Um, and then, yeah myself not performing and um, Aaron Finch doing his back a little bit during the tournament as well. Um, yeah, it just made it hard for us to get going, I guess. And, um, you know, when a few moving parts toward the end of the tournament, trying to find out your best team, um, I think in, in a short tournament like that, it can be hard to play catch up. And that's kind of the position we found ourselves in. But yeah, probably frustrating is the word, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Now remind us before we let you go, you, you, you are re-signed for the Renegades. You'll be going around again next year for them? Uh, I haven't at the moment. I would like to. Um, I think just the way that obviously there's an embargo once the final starts and the way contracting works, there's only 
you know, a certain amount of contracts you're allowed to have at that point in time. And um, yeah, at the moment I haven't haven't re-signed, but I guess um, over the winter it's something I'll be looking to lock in for sure. Beautiful. How good can Jake Fraser McGurk be before we let you go? He, he dazzled, I mean, he's 22 years old, dazzled us at Marvel. Seems the right venue for him with the, I guess, the lower roof. It's almost a challenge for him to hit it, but he just goes out there and plays with some serious freedom as well. Yeah, he does. It's great to see him come along this year. Um, he played some pretty important innings um, and pretty exciting ones as well. So I think, like you said, the square or short boundaries there definitely suit the way he plays. Um, picks up anything. You know, Joff going over the stumps and can hit it for six quite quite comfortably. So it was um, impressive to see and great to see him get a crack at international level and you know, watching some of those games and, and hearing from the guys in the squad, it was pretty impressive to see live when you got Alzari Joseph bowling 150Ks an hour and him smacking him all over the park. So um, at the moment, yeah, it's hard to hard to see where he'll end up. I'd love him to you know keep playing and and performing in shield cricket, and I definitely think there's a, a long international test career there for him if he if he wants it. But um, you know the environment's ever changing at the moment, and you don't really know what what could come up. But yeah, I think he could be a fantastic free form player. If you could have anyone come and play for the Melbourne Renegades next season, you open checkbook. Who are you picking, Nick? <laughs> uh, are we talking internationals as well? Yeah, or? internationals as well. Anyone you like? I don't know, a tough one. Um, I don't know. I think uh, a couple of years ago, we, we signed Liam Livingston with the mm. number one pick and missed out on him. Someone that kind of role, I guess, would be um, be great to have. I think a middle-order player that can that can bowl a little bit. They're probably the hardest things yeah. to come by. Um, you know, My favourite player at the moment is, is probably someone like a Ben Stokes. He's someone I, I love to watch play. So anyone on that kind of that ilk, I guess. Um, Indian guys, if you could get any of them and <laughs> think there's about 40 of them, you could take your pick and they'd be one of the best in the competition. So, um, yeah, anyone, that kind of that kind of thing, I guess. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure where they'll sit next year with, with the overseas, but I think we had some pretty good ones this year, to be honest, and having Quinton Dukoff, he's probably high on my list yeah. um, on those kind of players as well. Well, hopefully Quinton can come back and dazzle again at Marvel. Nick, it's been a pleasure to uh, to catch up. All the best for the rest of the Shield season, and hopefully you can be a big part of guiding Victoria to another Shield title. Good on you. No, no worries. Thanks. Nick Maddinson joining us on the Sporting Capital. Give us a call on the Harcourts open line, one 736 736 Your move, your Harcourts. It's your home of sport. It's a Tuesday night, and what a night it's been. We have covered plenty of bases, and there is still time for you to get yourself involved. 0433981116 on the Temper 40 Winks text. Or you can give us one last little call, 1300-736-736. For all things real estate, call Harcourts. John Donahoe is my name. We're going to get to a very quick break shortly just to... Uh, finish things off. But there is footy on tomorrow, 10 a.m. You'll hear it and watch it on KO, North Melbourne taking on Collingwood at Arden Street. And then on Thursday, we've got Sydney and GWS at Tramway Oval, which is next to the SCG. And then uh, we've also got Carlton and Geelong at 11 o'clock on Thursday. So if you want to go down to those, you're more than welcome. These are the unofficial practice matches. These are just the match simulations and the practice matches kick off next Tuesday with Collingwood and Richmond. I'm looking forward to that one because I'm calling that one and we will bring you that on SEN. Hey, don't forget tomorrow as well and all through this, uh, this tour of New Zealand, the cricket is on. T20, first of three tomorrow in New Zealand, and you'll hear it here on SEN from about 5 o'clock Australian Eastern Daylight Time. 
we'll have all three of them and then both test matches as well. Jared Waitley going over to call one of the test matches. Adam Collins uh, is in town and he's now going to fly over to New Zealand to uh, to call one of the test matches as well. So uh, a commitment to cricket never wavers here on SEN. We will have it all for you and make sure you miss none of that. You will uh, hear it all here on your home of sport, SEN. Uh, final thoughts on the other side of the break. Been a great show, and uh, we will wrap things up on the other side of this. This is the Sporting Capital on SEN. Sporting Capital right across the SEN network. I need to correct myself, and one texter has as well, and Paul has asked if I can clarify where that North Melbourne Collingwood game is tomorrow. My website that I'm looking at here had Arden Street. It has been moved to the AIA Centre. So apologies, Paul. You are spot on. Uh, Pipe got it right today. And someone else saying, hey, JD, the Pies Roos match has been moved to the AIA Centre. So it is tomorrow at Collingwood's Ground down here in uh, in Richmond. So make sure you go there at 10am, uh, not to Arden Street. So apologies there. But, uh, yeah, got just, just got done by using the wrong website unfortunately, for uh, for any North Melbourne supporters out there. Just head down to the IAA Centre. Um, as I said, there's more match sims coming your way. Brisbane Gold Coast at Brighton Homes Arena at 5 o'clock on Thursday. Friday has the Dogs and the Hawks at 11am at the Witten Oval. Friday also at 2pm at RSCA Park has the Saints and the Bombers. And then uh, Port Adelaide and Adelaide will have their practice, uh, their match sim at Alberton at 5 o'clock on Friday. And then Saturday, it's a mini derby with West Coast and Fremantle. As I said, uh, let's take you through the fixture for the official practice games coming up starting next Tuesday with Collingwood and Richmond. That one at Icon Park. And then we're back at Icon Park on Wednesday for Melbourne and Carlton. So these will be the official ones and where the... the most of the the best 22 teams will roll out. Sydney and Brisbane at uh, Blacktown International Sports Park as well. That's on Thursday, February 29 at 4.10. GWS and Gold Coast at Marnica uh, also on Thursday, the 29th. Friday, the 1st of March, Geelong are at GMHBA Stadium up against the Bombers at 5.10. Port Adelaide and Fremantle on the same night at 8pm, and that one's at Alberton Oval. Saturday, March 2nd, Adelaide take on the West Coast Eagles at High Sense Stadium in Adelaide and at the University of Tasmania Oval uh, Stadium, I should say, in Launceston. Hawthorne take on the Bulldogs in uh, at 6.10 on Saturday, March the 2nd. So I think that the Bulldogs... And Hawthorne, they do. They play their own. They play their only two practice matches against each other. So the only two times uh, these two teams will get a warm up will be against each other in this preseason. And the Saints and North Melbourne at RSEA Park finish things off. Uh, one person said not one mention of the A League. Well, they obviously missed our mention of the A League a little bit earlier. They might have just jumped in the car. So apologies for that. With uh, the number ending in eight four seven, a two one victory for the Melbourne victory. Both goals scored by Damien De Silva. Both goals in stoppage time. One scored in the fifth minute of stoppage time and one in the eighth minute of stoppage time after uh, Daniel Pena uh, scored in the 60th minute for Western United. Melbourne victory 
with a 2-1 win. I did mention it before. Apologies. You may well have just uh, missed that mention, but uh, we did uh, get a little bit of that out a little bit earlier on. Before we finish up, we were talking about Amit Baines a little bit earlier, and I meant to play this one for you. I just didn't have time in between our interviews, but he also spoke on Bailey Smith and uh, how... The contract is progressing. Obviously, Bailey Smith going to miss out on this entire season with an ACL injury. But he wants, uh, or he spoke to Jared Waitley about how things are getting a little bit uh, complicated with the recontracting process. Possibly does. It possibly simplifies it as well in the sense that um, there's going to be no football played, obviously, um, or you don't expect there to be any football played across the year. So um, the different variables that go into to making decisions about um, your future and the contract and things like that are significant ones taken away. So um, we'll continue to, um, you know, navigate that. I think our primary want has been to support Bailey obviously um, through the the rehab and the first few weeks and months are the most challenging part of that, particularly once games start playing and and you obviously have the the sense of missing out. Um, But I know Sam Power um, is in regular contact with Paul Connors uh, around that and would obviously love Bailey to stay. Did you have any thought around, well, here's the security blanket. Here's the, we'd love to sign you now as you embark on your rehab yeah and and look there've been um conversations that have been um in train and 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 certainly something that has been referenced from our end as well um i think the the exclusive focus almost has been getting through this initial phase of of rehab and um clearing some of those significant physical hurdles first and foremost um but that is something that we're keen to do and um yeah definitely want bailey at the club beyond this year I gathered when I was listening to that from Amit Baines earlier this morning that they're not as confident that Bailey Smith is going to stay like they are with uh, with the other two in Jamara Hagen and Tim English as well. So it's an interesting time for Bailey Smith, for the Bulldogs as well, as we mentioned a couple of times. It just seems like a very important year. Uh, big thanks to you, Paul. Yes, you did save my backside there, uh, AIA Centre, for the game tomorrow. Uh, we're just about out of time. Big thanks to our man Link out the back, to Nick Maddinson, uh, to Felix von Hoff, and also to all our callers and Mark Bickley as well, I should say. Big thank you to. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning from 6am. Gary and Tim back on Thursday and some big news floating around. So all of that will be confirmed and more about Joel Smith uh, in the morning as well. 6am, Gary and Tim. That's all we got time for, the Sporting Capital. It's been great fun. We'll do it all again soon. Don't forget about the cricket tomorrow night. See ya.